Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Catholic Link Podcast, the podcast for busy Catholics. My name is Father Rob Adams, and I'm happy to be joined, as usual now, by Father George Elliott. Father George, it's good to have you on again. It's good to be on. Thanks, Father. So it's February, and we've been talking a lot about Lent. But before we get into that, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. You'll hear more about them at the end of the episode. But today, we are getting into our episode on worship, sacraments, liturgy, all that good stuff. And we want to talk about the history of Lent itself. This is a strange topic that a lot of people don't know. So, Father George, if you had if you had to say what you think most people think, most people in the pews, what would you think would kind of be the general idea of Lent? Because I remember I remember being in school and when they talk about Lent as like a great apostolic tradition, I'd be like, what? It's not in the um, New Testament. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think most people are like, well, it's this 40 days ish that just kind of stinks and that the church made up. But after that, it's Easter. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And we can and see a lot of candy. Kind of connected to like, okay, yeah, like Jesus fasted 40 days in the desert. And so we do this 40 day thing too. Mm -hmm. But I, that, I think for most that's, that's, that's it's about, I think, I actually think that's being very generous on your part. <laughs> being very generous. It's being very generous because I actually find that most people Think about Lent, almost like like kind of a you know there's these secular seasons. Those who are listening can't see my bunny ears, right? But seasons. <laughs> so there's like sober October, no shave November, mm. um, and then there's even some kind of kind of religious ones like your Exodus 90s and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, and they kind of mm. think about it like that, right? The church has always thought we need a a real kick in the pants, and here we go. But that's actually not where it comes from. It's actually not where it comes from. So Lent itself comes from this, this dynamic that's built into Christianity, right? Not just to the Catholic Church, not just to our particular time within the Catholic Church, but it's actually baked into the very nature of the new covenant. And that's there's this dynamic of promise and fulfillment, of waiting and receiving, right? Word and then sacrament. Mm -hmm. Right. Those things are always kind of two poles. And whenever we isolate just one, our faith gets a little bit weird. Right. So if our faith is only about the sacraments that we have now and we forget the sacraments point towards the new Jerusalem, like life after this, the second coming of Jesus and the new creation, the sacraments get a little stale. Right. Yeah. Can you give like an example of how that happens? Like, what does that actually look like? Okay. So, for example, take like the mass. So, mm -hmm. Every Mass, we have the Liturgy of the Word, and then we have the Liturgy of the Eucharist. So a lot of times people think that the Liturgy of the Word is just there to kind of give us something to think about while we like have transubstantiation and Holy Communion. Mm, yeah. Right. But the reality is that the Word is a promise, and then the Word is made flesh on the altar. Mm. Right. In the Old Testament, Christ is promised. In the New Testament, he comes. Right, the kingdom of God is present among you, and yet the kingdom of God is not here yet. There's, there's like always that tension, right? So we have to, so like the the synoptic gospels focus a lot on the the kingdom coming, right? It's a future thing, right? Get ready for it, the end of time. Whereas John talks a lot about the kingdom is already here, 
right? The mm-hmm. ways that Christ's new creation is already starting. And they're both true, right? We are saved and we are being saved. All of that. And ever, whenever we lose one of those poles, we end up being a little bit weird, right? So for some of our Protestant brothers and sisters, they forget that we are being saved. And so I'm good. I'm saved, right? Mm. For some of our Catholic friends, when we say, I am being saved, we forget, yeah, yeah, but you do have the life of God in you now. Right. Yeah. Right? Mm. So this same thing happens in Lent, that Lent is a preparation to celebrate the new life of baptism at Easter right? Easter, yes, it's about the resurrection of Christ, but it's also tied up very much with our participation in the resurrection of Christ, right? We don't just celebrate it like we celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday or or President's Day or, or anything like that, right? Our celebration of Easter is actually celebrating the way that you and I get to be a part of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, so what does that actually mean for, for Lent itself? Okay, great question. For Lent itself, it means that we get to go on this journey to prepare for Christ's death and resurrection. Now, historically, this comes from all of the catechumens, the people who were going to be baptized. They had to go on an they had to spend an intense period of time preparing for their baptism right? They had to learn the scriptures. They had to fast. They had to learn to put away a lot of sin in their life. They had to go through scrutinies. They had to be called by the bishop to the sacraments, right? There was a whole rigmarole that these people had to go through. Lots of candles, rejecting Satan, receiving the creed, being able to say the Lord's prayer. Basically just a a full-on boot camp in Christianity, now, over time, it was only these people that had to do it. The rest of the church prayed for them. The church itself was always involved in this journey. That's why they had sponsors. That's where godparents come from, that you needed somebody inside to vouch for you. But here's a problem, right? You can only get baptized one time. You can only do this once. And Maybe in the early church, there was just a very strong fervor. I kind of doubt it, but maybe they thought there was a strong fervor. Um, You know, maybe society was just different. Um, But there was really this idea that you did it once, and then you just kind of had to maintain that your whole Christian life. Stick with it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we know that that's, that's, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's like practically impossible. Pretty hard. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty hard. Um, so what ended up happening was more and more Christians, because of sin, were kind of getting themselves in trouble. And the church realized that there needed to be a way to involve everybody in this journey of the catechumens towards the baptismal font. Mm-hmm. And so while everybody is not baptized again, everybody gets a chance to renew their baptism, which is actually what Easter itself is. Right now, currently in the uh, current missal, there's a whole thing about everybody renewing their baptismal promises at Easter. And that's kind of what this is supposed to be. It's fine. I could see why people wouldn't like it because, you know, you're baptized. It's good. You don't need to say it again. But there's benefit to that. Right. It's helpful. Kind of like on the individual human point or yeah, on the individual human level. There's a little bit of that, like, yeah, you know what? It's good for me to stand up and say this again. Kind of like yeah. at um, the Chrism Mass, we do that as priests as well, right? Yep. The renewal of our promises. Exactly. Exactly. 
Now, I think what's really cool, though, is if we start to look at Lent like this, as actually preparing to renew our baptism, right? Preparing mm. to leave a little bit of the ick of this world behind us and move into the new creation, we start to see things a little bit differently. Because now Easter is not just a point in the year where we get to hang out and eat a lot of food and like drink nice beer and stuff. Like <laughs> Easter is the time of year when we, this is what Christianity is. Christianity is learning how to live the resurrected life now. It's learning how to live in the new creation now. It's learning how to use this creation so that it points us to the new one and gets us there even. Yeah. So how is it that Lent specifically helps us to do that? What helps us to do that because of prayer, fasting, and giving to the poor, right? So just like these, these uh, catechumens had to really go on this intense boot camp, it's sort of like it's sort of like like a C.S. Lewis says in The Great Divorce, that learning how to walk in heaven is hard because it's so real that the grass is pointy, right? And it yeah. hurts your feet. And you have to build up those calluses to be able to walk on it. It makes you stronger so that you can live this resurrected life. And so by praying more, hearing the word of God more, making more time for a relationship with God, giving things up of this world, right? Because man does not live on bread alone, right? so that we can hear the word of God and then giving to others. Because if we want to live the life of God himself, we should kind of look like him. Our mm -hmm. heart should mirror his a little bit. Excellent. And so I don't know, what should we do this Lent? Well, my, do that better? yeah, my biggest thing is number one, to see Lent that way, to understand it in the big picture, that this isn't just 40 days where you have to feel bad for your sins. This is 40 days of you getting to meet Jesus again. It's you getting to kind of re, I don't know, re-enter into that baptismal font in, in your own way. You know, think about it a bit like that. And then my other big piece of advice for people is make sure that during Lent, you do all three of these things. You do the prayer, you do the fasting, and you do the giving to the poor. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I, you know, I like to give up a lot, but I, you know, I don't do extra. You're like, well, you give things up to be free for other things, right? Mm -hmm. And I've heard other people say, well, I, you know, I used to give things up for Lent and now, now I just do extra stuff. I say more prayers. You're like, well, yeah, but it's both, right? It's both. And, and in, if we don't get all three of them, we're going to have a little bit of a distorted Lent. And sometimes that can happen. You can see a lot of people who make Lent entirely about penance and then Easter is entirely about partying. And you think, <laughs> well, that's not... Eh, that's not right. really the point. Right. Yeah. Excellent. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Well, I hope that this is something to kind of get you, get you thinking when you, when you go into Lent, um, particularly think about like the beginning of Ash Wednesday, where it talks about us embarking on a campaign of Christian service, right? So we're going on this campaign. It's not a, it's not a, a journey into death and darkness for its own sake. It's a, it's a journey to Easter. It's a journey to the Lord Jesus and to our participation in the Lord Jesus through baptism. So just something to think about. I hope it's a cool little meditation for you as you get ready for Lent. But in the meantime, this has been the Catholic Link Podcast, the podcast for busy Catholics. My name is Father Rob Adams. I thank Father George for being here today, but I also want to thank our sponsor, the University of Dallas. Catholic Link is sponsored by the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD is known for its rigorous undergraduate core curriculum and robust graduate and professional programs in business, ministry, education, and the humanities. 
With campuses in Texas and Italy, the University of Dallas is committed to an education that forms students intellectually, socially, and spiritually for a life well-lived. You can learn more at udallas.edu slash catholic link. Thanks for joining us today. Take care, and we will see you all next time.